We are beginning a series called Teach Us to Pray, and Jesus gave some good instruction to his followers on how to pray, and we're going to spend a few weeks looking at the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, and learning from Jesus how to pray. And some of you are a little nervous about this because you have struggled with prayer. You want to pray well, and never really have felt like you have succeeded at that. I mean, you may feel awkward. It may feel awkward to you. Or you may have started several times and not continued it. And you feel really guilty about that. Now, if that describes you, if you feel that way, I want you to know that I understand. Because my journey has been similar. Um, in Bible college, I wanted to be a spiritual giant. I wanted to be really close to God and to be used by him in powerful ways. And one day in my freshman year, one of my professors told us that there was one thing that all of the great historic preachers had in common. All of the great historic preachers like Martin Luther and John Wesley and John Calvin and Charles Spurgeon, there was one thing that they and others all had in common. He said that the one thing they had was they were all awake between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. every morning and they were reading their Bible and they were praying. And so I set my alarm for 4 a.m. every morning. And I tried. I, I remember that first morning I set my alarm and then I went out in the, into the lobby of our dorm and I started to pray. And I prayed for a while and then I thought, you know, I might as well be comfortable. And so I laid down on the sofa and I continued praying. And about three hours later, my roommate woke me up so I wouldn't be late for class. And I felt really guilty. For a few weeks, I continued trying really hard, and I continued failing really miserably. I was feeling really down on myself. I, I was thinking, I just don't have what it takes to be a spiritual giant. I'm going to be a spiritual pygmy all my life. And I went to talk to another professor about my total lack of spirituality and after I finished telling him this, he kind of laughed and he said, Steve, do you know what else all of those great historic preachers had in common? They all lived before electricity was invented. They all went to bed between 6 and 7 o'clock every evening. He said, it's not hard to get up at 4 a.m. when you go to bed that early. And so I learned it was okay to end my day with prayer rather than to begin it in prayer, and that works better for me anyway. But then, then I kept reading about Jesus spending an entire night in prayer. He spent all night praying. It says that several times in the Bible, and so I decided that I was going to do that, that I would try that, and my roommate went away one time, and I, I decided this is the night. I'm going to spend all night in prayer. I settled into my room, and I began to pray, and I began thanking God for everything that I could think of to thank God for. I mean, I thanked him for everything that I could think of, and then I began praying for everyone, and I mean everyone. 
I prayed for my family, I prayed for my classmates, I prayed all the way down to my third cousins, my best friend in fifth grade. Um, I, I prayed for movie stars and politicians and even our mail carrier. And I was really proud of myself. I mean, I was feeling really good about all this time that I had spent in prayer. I figured it had been hours. I mean, I thanked God for everything, and I prayed for everyone, and it had just been a long time in prayer, and I looked at my watch, and it had been an entire 20 minutes. (laughs) It was going to be a long night. So I've struggled in this area And if you're like me, you can relate to something Chuck Swindoll said in one of his books. He said, to be painfully honest with you, most of the stuff I have ever read or heard about prayer has either left me under a truckload of guilt or wearied me with pious-sounding phrases and meaningless God talk. I want to tell you clearly, we want this series to be different than that. We want this series to be different. We're fellow strugglers in this area of prayer. We don't want to inflict guilt. I want to use this series to help each of us take a step forward from wherever we are in our prayer life. And it's something that we're focusing on as a church. Honestly, it's something that we have tried to improve several times in my years here And we have had some discouraging times. We've had some false starts. And I have been praying diligently for God to provide the right leaders, the right team to really make our church a church of prayer, to make prayer a church-wide priority at impact. And it seems like he has provided those leaders. It seems that he has done that. I'm excited that God has really placed on the hearts of several people uh, this burden to pray and to help all of us take steps forward as a church in the area of prayer. I want you to see the people who are leading this prayer team that we have and others who are serving with them maybe in the room. If you're in the room and you're on the prayer team at all, would you stand up? They're attending different services and some are in the prayer room praying. I don't see anybody standing in here yet, but uh, these people behind me are the leaders and that's great. And if you have a passion for prayer and you want to know more about how you can join our efforts uh, to pray. You can talk to the people pictured behind me, and they would be glad to help you with that. But right now, I want to pray for our prayer team and for this new effort in prayer. So let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you want to hear from us, that you want us to talk with you and uh, listen to you that you want to have a relationship with us. And so, Father, we just invite you into our lives and into our church in this area of prayer. Father, we thank you for this team of people, uh, some of whom are praying for us right now during this time. And we pray, Father, that you will just um, use them to help us as we deepen our relationship with you. We pray, Father, that impact will be a place of prayer. We pray, Father, that uh, we will be able to uh, make a difference in our community, that you will work through us in a mighty way. And, Father, we will give you all of the praise, all of the credit, all of the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So 
during this series and even during this message, we're going to give you some ways that you can improve your prayer life, that you can be a part of praying for impact and our community and the people in your line of sight. But let's begin this message by looking at the verse of Scripture that inspired this series. You'll find it in Luke 11, verse 1. Here's what it says. One time Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his followers said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his followers. One of Jesus' closest followers asks Jesus to teach them to pray. Now, this is an interesting request because as far as we know, Jesus' followers never asked Jesus to teach them to preach. His followers never asked Jesus to teach them to lead or to heal or as far as we know, anything else. This is the only request, it seems the only thing that we have recorded that they specifically asked Jesus to train them on was prayer. And I suspect they were good Jewish boys. They had grown up in the synagogue. They had been taught how to pray by their rabbis. However, they had not been taught to pray the way that Jesus prayed. They saw the time that he spent in prayer they sensed a power in prayer that they wanted in their life. And so they asked him to teach them to pray. And like the followers of Jesus, many of us have heard about prayer. We've heard many prayers. Maybe we've even been taught to pray from a young age. Many think that they have this prayer thing handled, but might be missing some of the important principles from Jesus' training about prayer. But many of us are just uncomfortable with prayer. So in this series, we're going to look at Jesus' teaching, what we call the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to learn from him how to pray. They ask him to teach them to pray, and so he does. And he starts, he starts his teaching of how to pray by telling them how not to pray. He begins by saying, don't pray this way. First, Jesus say, says, when you pray, don't pray to impress people. Don't pray to impress people. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand in the synagogue and on the street corners and pray so people will see them. I tell you the truth, they already have their full reward. Here's a surprising truth. Hypocrites love to pray. Hypocrites love to pray. That's what the passage says. They love to stand in public places and pray. And in Jesus' day, religious people were pros at giving pretentious prayers. It was a regular ritual with them. They would pray at nine o'clock in the morning and then at noon and then three o'clock each day. And they always prayed set prayers or memorized prayers. And they always, always did it uh, in a place where other people could see them. It was a source of pride for them. They wanted people to see them and know how spiritual they were for stopping to pray. So hypocrites love to pray. Understand what that means. Praying in and of itself is not a sign of spiritual maturity. Many people pray, but they pray for the wrong reasons. Often people pray to impress other people. 
they were praying so people would see them. Have you ever heard a prayer that you thought just maybe was meant to impress you? Maybe um, you've heard someone give a flowery prayer where they've quoted scripture by memory to God. They may say something like, Dear Lord, as your word teaches in Hebrews 10.24, the international version, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, when I hear someone pray like that, they, they may be totally sincere, but I wonder what God is thinking at that moment. Is God in heaven thinking, did I say that? Or maybe he's thinking, Yep, that's what I said. I didn't forget, but thanks for reminding me. Or maybe you've heard a prayer with someone humbly admitting how awesome they are. You know, something like this, Dear Lord, I thank you for giving me the strength and the ability to help 16 people so far this year cross the line of faith and come to church and experience Jesus for the first time. Bragging prayers always seem designed to impress people. Now, if you haven't heard prayers that seem meant to impress others, maybe you've heard prayers that were more for the people listening than for God. Many, many times over my years as a Christian, I have heard announcement prayers. Have you ever heard an announcement prayer that goes something like this? Dear Lord, please bless next Sunday's potluck dinner, which will be at 1 p.m. at the church building. Dear God, help everyone to remember that all families with the last name A through L need to bring a main course and salad. <laughs> yes, I've actually heard prayers just like that. But you know, the worst is gossip prayers. Gossip prayers. They go something like this, dear Lord, please bless Jim and Joan, who I hear from a reliable source, are, are expecting their first child. I hear it's a boy and due in July. So Jesus is clear. We shouldn't try to impress people when we pray. We shouldn't try to. Now, here's the interesting thing about Jesus starting his teaching by teaching them that they shouldn't pray to impress people. Do you remember what the follower of Jesus asked him specifically in Luke 11 verse 1 that we read earlier? His follower said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his followers. Maybe Jesus started with this instruction because the motive of the follower's heart when he or she asked Jesus to teach them to pray was that they wanted to be impressive to other people by learning to pray as well as the followers of John the Baptist had learned to pray. John the Baptist had taught his followers to pray and these followers may have wanted Jesus to make them that impressive in prayer. And so Jesus may have been saying, I want to teach you to pray but not for the reasons that you're hoping for. I'm not going to teach you to pray so that you can impress people when you pray. I'm going to teach you to pray for the right reasons. And Jesus goes on to give a right reason to pray. He says, don't pray to impress people, but do pray sincerely. Do pray sincerely. Look at what he says in verse 6 of Matthew 6. When you pray... You should go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who cannot be seen. Your father can see what is done in secret and he will reward you. Now, 
some read this verse and they conclude that Jesus only wants us to pray in private. That he only wants us to pray when we're alone. That we should always pray in secret. And um, in this service, we have already prayed publicly four times, five times. So, have we done the wrong thing? Have we violated what Jesus taught? Why do we still pray publicly? We still pray publicly because Jesus also prayed publicly. After he said these words, there are several occasions where Jesus stood in front of a group of people and prayed. And so Jesus wasn't saying the only right way to pray is silently or secretly or when you're alone. And because we know Jesus prayed publicly, the issue he was addressing wasn't them praying in public. The issue was why they were praying. They were praying to be seen by people. So Jesus said something significant in this passage. He says, the rewards or blessings you get when you pray are determined by your motive when you pray. Let that sink in a minute. The rewards or blessings that you get when you pray are determined by your motive when you pray. If your motive is to impress people with how spiritual you are, with how well you pray, your only reward will be how impressed or unimpressed those people are with your prayer. Verse 5 says, those who pray to be seen by people have their full reward when people see them pray. But if you sincerely have a conversation with God, he will see your heart, he will answer your prayers, and he will reward you. How does God reward us when we pray? Well, he hears our prayers and he answers them. He gives us peace. He gives us comfort or help or wisdom or a solution for our problems. And some of you are nervous about praying. You're, you're nervous about praying in groups because you think that you don't string words together as well as those who do pray in your group. You're afraid that you will embarrass yourself, that you will say something that seems dumb, or that you won't know what to say at all. Can I just give you a hint? Just see prayer as a conversation with God. Talk to him. Talk to him like you would talk with any friend. Stop thinking about the others in the room and just talk to God. Sincerely pour out your heart to him in whatever words that you can and he will bless you. Just pray sincerely. I remember a prayer meeting in high school that was a little different. We uh, were, were having one of our midweek youth group meetings, and uh, we were at one of our friend's house, and uh, we were having this group prayer time, and we had all just had refreshments, and our group leader, one of our group leaders was praying, and he was in the midst of his prayer, but my friend's dog was in the room, and the dog kept going from person to person and plate to plate looking for something to snack on, and it, it was kind of distracting, and uh, right in the middle of praying, our leader said just a minute God and he got up and he took that dog by the collar and went to the door and put the dog out in the fenced backyard and then he came back and he sat down and he said okay we've taken care of that now where were we God and he picked right back up praying to God and uh, one of my friends I remember was thinking that that was terrible that it was really disrespectful to God 
I don't think it was. I think it allowed sincere prayer to happen with fewer distractions. And if God had been sitting right there in the room having a conversation with us, that would have been completely sincere and completely appropriate. And that's how you can gauge whether your prayer is sincere. Just ask yourself, am I talking to God the way that I would if he was physically present with me right now? If he was in this room or in this car, or in this group, would I say these things to him in this way? If so, you're praying sincerely. If not, you may need to make adjustments to how you pray. Jesus goes on and he gives another instruction on how not to pray. He says, don't pray to impress God. Don't pray to impress God. Now, this may seem a little weird to you. Who would do this? Who would pray to try to impress God? This is more subtle, but sometimes people do try to impress God. Jesus thought that it was a problem in his day, and it's still a problem today. Look at what he says in verse 7. And when you pray, don't be like those people who don't know God. They continue saying things that mean nothing, thinking that God will hear them because of their many words. Now, it's interesting to me that he begins this verse by saying, don't pray like people who don't know God. Don't pray like people who don't know God. Apparently, what he's about to talk about is how people who don't know God would pray. We'll say more about this in a few minutes, but how do people who don't know God pray? He doesn't get super specific, but I think you can see some of what he's saying here. I think people who don't know God pray using churchy language. They pray using churchy language. Many people seem to think that God will hear them better if they talk like the King James Version of the Bible with a lot of these and thous and saying things like, we beseech thee to hearken to our prayers But we forget that the King King James translation of the Bible was translated into the language, into that language in 1611. And everybody who, who was alive in 1611 talked like the King James Bible. That was their common language at the time. That's the way people talked. So talking to God today, the way that they talked to him in the 1600s, just doesn't indicate that we know God. It doesn't indicate that we know God. I think people who uh, don't know God also use a lot of repetition. I think that's what the passage is talking about. It's part of what's in the passage when it says they continue to say things that mean nothing. Some translations say when they babble on and on, or others say when they pray using meaningless repetition or vain repetition. So the passage has in it this idea of repeating, almost chanting the same words again and again, and it indicates that they think God will hear them if they repeat the same words over and over again. And in Jesus' day, they would memorize very long prayers about different things, and they would repeat them over and over, thinking that those words were somehow holy, that the words were somehow magic, and that God would hear them better if they repeated those specific words again and again. Now, it's really interesting to me that right after saying this about 
not continuing to use meaningless words or not praying with meaningless repetition, that right after saying this, Jesus gives what is called the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. And what have Christians done with it? Much of Christianity has ignored Jesus' instructions here about not repeating the same words again and again and have made the Lord's Prayer into one of the prayers that we memorize and repeat in an effort to impress God and increase our access to Him. Jesus said, don't do that. Don't do that. That doesn't mean that we should never pray sincerely the words of the Lord's Prayer. We can do that. But I think God would rather hear our own words and to hear our heart rather than to hear a meaningless memorized prayer, which is often the case when the Lord's Prayer is repeated. Some who don't know God also pray by bargaining or negotiating with God. You know, they say things like, if you will give me that promotion, I will finally start giving you the 10% of my income that you want me to give. Or, if you will heal my friend's cancer, I will be in church every week. Praying to impress God is something that we shouldn't do because it proves that we really don't know God very well. It proves we really don't know God very well at all. So Jesus says, don't pray to impress God, but instead... Pray expectantly. Pray expectantly. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 8. Don't be like them because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Jesus said, don't pray like people who don't know God. What He is saying is we need to be familiar with God, not formal with God. We need to pray like we're talking to a person we know, not a person who's far away. Basically, he's saying, remember who you're praying to. Remember who you're praying to. Did you notice three times he refers to God as Father? And all three times are in the verses about how we should pray, not in the verses about how we shouldn't pray. Now, today in our language, the word father is a fairly formal title in our culture. But in Jesus' day, it was not at all common for people to refer to God as their father. It wasn't a common thing at all. In fact, most religious people just wouldn't do it. I mean... They would refer to him as Lord or as their king or as the almighty God. Some would not even utter his name in a prayer for fear of being disrespectful. So Jesus' prayer was saying something really significant. It was saying, remember, you're talking to your father, to your dad. You're talking to your daddy. Now, I realize some of you might not have a good relationship with your father. I know some really struggle with the concept of God as their father because their earthly father was a jerk or was abusive or was absent or was harsh. And if you're in that situation, I want to assure you that God our father isn't like that. He isn't like that. He is the kind of dad you always wished your father would be. 
He's the kind of dad you always hoped for. He is loving and attentive. He wants to help you. He wants to guide you. He wants to comfort you when you're hurting, when you feel helpless. He is always there when you need him. He is your protector, and he will forgive you no matter how many times you mess things up. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. Those are all things Scripture's promises are true about God our Father. And that's who we're praying to. That's who we're praying to. That's the kind of dad he is. And some of you have that kind of father, and it's easier for you to picture it. But when we remember who we're praying to, the good dad that we always wanted or the good dad that many of us had, when we pray to God as a loving father, we just expect a different response. We expect a different response. We approach him differently. We ask expecting him to respond with kindness and love. We pray expecting him to care about how we feel, to hear us, to see us. We pray knowing that he is listening and expecting that he will act in our behalf and in our best interests. Because we approach our fathers differently, don't we? We approach our fathers differently. I mean, it would just be really weird for my kids to talk to me the way that we sometimes talk to God. Imagine this. They walk into the room and they say, Oh, great and awesome father of mine who preaches with excellence in all of the services, who is a lover of Diet Coke and a hater of all things Pepsi. I come into your presence praising your goodness and your wisdom, humbly seeking your favor and your grace that I might borrow the car keys for my journey to the motion picture event at the theater tonight. (laughs) That'd just be weird, wouldn't it? I'd rather them just come in and say, hi, Dad, can I have the car keys so I can go to the movie tonight? I, I still want them to respect me when they talk to me. And I want to respect God when I talk to him, but I want my kids to acknowledge that they have a relationship with me, that they have a relationship with me. And sometimes we are just too focused on the fact that he is the God of the universe and the king of kings. I love the story. I heard Bob Russell, the now retired pastor of one of the largest churches in America, tell In their church, when he was the pastor, they had a rule that everyone who stood up to preach would be wearing a coat and a tie. Now, I understand that because for many years when I began my ministry, that was my dress code too. But one day, Bob was asked about that rule by one of their younger pastors. Kyle Eidelman uh, was new on their staff back then, and Kyle thought they should be allowed to dress more casually when they preached. And so he asked Bob about it. And Bob said he launched into the reasoning that he had always given when asked that question. He said, you wouldn't go see the president of the United States without a jacket and a tie. So why would you come see the God of the universe without a jacket and a tie? And Bob said that Kyle thought for a moment. And then he said, I think I would. In fact, I know I would. I would go see the President of the United States without a jacket and tie if the President of the United States was my father. He said, and when I show up to see God, I'm coming to see my father. 
It changes, doesn't it? It changes how we approach things. Remembering who you're praying to changes everything. When we realize that God is our Father and a good Father, we pray expecting Him to answer us with kindness and with grace and with love. We need to conclude, but I'm excited about all of us learning together how to pray and learning it from Jesus. I know that we will all become closer to Jesus and we will receive his blessings as we pray sincerely and as we pray expectantly. And I know it will be a powerful thing in the life of our church as we seek to pray together. Our prayer team has already taken steps to help us with that. On the way in, you should have received a yellow bracelet that looks like this. Many of you are already wearing it. I think, yes, there's a picture of it up there, and uh, that's great. And uh, if you didn't get one, there's baskets by each door, and you can pick one up on your way out. The bracelet is an invitation. It's a challenge to join us in praying daily for impact and our outreach into this community, to pray that we will be able to let God love us and love others through us. And we're asking you to do something very specific. We're asking you to set an alarm on your phone or your device for 3.30 every day. Now, I am choosing to set mine for 3.30 p.m. You are welcome to select 3.30 a.m. if you want, but I've already told you my struggle with that. And so I'm setting it at 3.30 p.m., and I'm praying for the church at that time. When my alarm goes off, it can be a sentence prayer, it can be a paragraph, it can be 10 minutes worth of prayer, but pray for impact at that time. Now, some of you are going, why 3.30? That's our address. You're sitting at 3.30 Hookstown Grade Road. And uh, so that we thought that would be a good time uh, for hundreds of people to pray together for God to move in a mighty way through our church in this location. And there's a scripture on the bracelet as well. Here's what it says. It says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Never stop praying. That's God's will for all of us who belong to Christ Jesus. As we begin this journey of prayer together, let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the fact that you want to hear from us. Thank you, Father, for giving us the privilege of having a relationship with you and talking with you and hearing from you and receiving your help. Father, we thank you that at those times when we really don't know what to say when we pray, that you already know what we need, that you can already hear our heart. And so, Father, I pray that you will hear the hearts of the people in this room right now, that you will hear, that you will give peace and comfort, correction and challenge. And Father, we look forward to this time when we learn from Jesus how to pray. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.